Um, hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Ankylosing Spondylitis Natural Health Podcast. Today, we have Nikita Georgianis on the show. He's 39 years old, currently living in Vietnam with his wife, three kids, and is teaching English there. He holds an MBA and bachelor an MBA, Bachelor in Science and Human Kinetics, and a Bachelor in Education. He is from Ottawa and served as an Ontario Provincial Police Officer. He has an AS diagnosis and is currently training with Peter Winslow. I'm very excited to have you on this show, Nikita. A pleasure to have you here. Pleasure to be here, Michael. Um, so what's, nice. what's that? I said it's been nice uh, hearing you in your podcast, and uh, that's what kind of led me to want to uh, see you connect with you. And uh, first of all, congratulate you on everything you've done. It inspires us. I mean, the first podcast I heard of you and that gentleman from Switzerland where he's actually interviewing you. Right. Oh, yeah. I just hit two, three chords in a row there of things that were just like, oh, my God. That's awesome to hear. That's great. That's interesting. That's making me laugh. It's just all the connections. That's awesome. Thank you. Thanks a lot for listening to them. And I'm happy that, you know, they're they're helping out some some folks out there. Really, it's good to hear that. Um, well, I mean, uh, so you're currently living in Vietnam. That's pretty excited. That's a that's a exciting. It's a place I'd love to go. Um, and uh, it's really, I think, inspiring to know that a man with AS is not letting that stop him. And um, he's out uh, living in a foreign country and supporting a family. And uh, you look great to me, look healthy, look happy. So um, it's, it's what you're doing is extremely inspiring. I think at some point in my life, I, I let stuff like that stop me from traveling. So, um, well... Uh, yeah. Not anymore, though, my friend. Not anymore. Anyway, the show is about you. I'd love to hear more about you. So let's dive right into it and tell me about the person you were before your symptoms began. What kind of guy were you? So I'm a type A, not quite the jock, but almost did a lot of sports when I grew up. Soccer was the main one, but I played in the volleyball teams, a little bit of baseball. Mostly soccer as a summer sport and uh, scuba diving in the wintertime mostly and uh, weight training. Those were my go-tos. And uh, I think... uh, that tells you you can do anything that you kind of still have that mentality and you're still pushing and okay I can still do this and then slowly slowly there's little hurdles that push you down Uh, so yeah I got my diagnosis at the age of 21 well I got operated on the right knee it was my first surgery and uh the arthroscopic surgery, they discovered I had a cyst of some sort, so they operated, just scoped the meniscus, and three months after surgery, all of a sudden, I'm in the pool, a physio's telling me to do exercise, and both my ankles swell up that night, 
they're not really painful, but they're swollen and it's bizarre because it's both of them. It's not my weak side that's acting up. It's both sides. And then it goes away and then I have a thumb issue on the left side and uh, I figure whatever, tendonitis or something, I must have sprained it. So after two, three weeks of it not going away, I tell the doctor, do you mind just putting it in a cast? Because I know myself, I'm always running and doing stuff and I'm not going to allow it to heal. So he says, sure, they put in a cast for four weeks. After the cast comes off, it's exactly the same. Still atrophied, but still painful, still something's wrong. And eventually things progress to the right side of the body too, with the same type of areas, wrists and thumbs. So that's when they told me, okay, my surgeon that I was seeing for my knee told me, I'm going to refer you to a rheumatologist. And uh, that's when all the, I guess, different tests started. And it, well, nothing was conclusive for me. They didn't tell me you have ankylosing spondylitis. They told me you have some kind of arthritis. We're not too sure. Your blood tests come back negative for the markers, but you have a high degree of inflammation. So they just put me on anti-inflammatories and they did that for about 10 years. Um, and that just blew my mind because I was getting worse and worse and they were just giving me the same thing. What medication were they, what medication did they prescribe you? And you were on medication for 10 years? Uh, I, I, not quite, but uh, they were prescribing anti-inflammatories. I was on uh, Voltaren, Vioxx, uh, what else did I do? You name them, I've tried them pretty much until I went to Celebrex and pretty, it stayed on Celebrex the longest, I guess. Wow. And how old were you when the symptoms began? Sorry, I didn't catch that part. Um, I was 21 years old. When symptoms when, began? Yeah. And when how old were you? Inflammation started. I had, I think, some issues in the joints prior to that, but nothing major. Okay. And uh, we haven't gotten to your diagnosis yet. Is that right? Like you were on all those medications, but not diagnosed. Is that correct? Yeah, not specific to AS at that time. Okay. It was just you have some inflammatory condition. We don't know the name of it exactly, and kind of it doesn't matter. But, uh, yeah, I just got slowly, slowly worse, and I remember my doctor telling me, you don't get brownie points for uh, taking the pain. Just take your anti-inflammatories. Mm -hmm. And I kind of told him, you know, I tried for a little bit, but... I get used to them, and once I'm used to them, then the pain's back, worse kind of thing. Mm. And he just told me, you don't get brownie points for taking the pain, just keep on taking it. And I tried to see other doctors, and as you know, in that world, it's frowned upon, and anyhow, they, uh, they were mad because they know each other and they talk, and then it was, why are you seeing another rheumatologist? You know, so it took a really long time before I got uh, the proper help in that world, I ended up going to see Ed Keystone, which you might have heard of. He's one of the best in the world, but he's in Toronto. Uh, he's he a rheumatologist? Yeah, he's the head of one of the biggest hospitals. I forget which one, and he's done a lot of stuff. But anyhow, he just looked at me, saw my joints, and said, Nikita, you need to be on methotrexate or DMARDs of some sort right now, because I can tell even without reading your file, you got joint damage. And he looked at my wrists, and uh, you can kind of still see the slant. 
in the wrists. Okay. I have the right wrist more more than the left, but uh, also my fingers are kind of swollen. They call them swollen the thumbs. Um, so anyhow, that damage was there at that time, and he told me, you know, we could have prevented all this, but so he sends me for a full body X-ray, wrist, ankles, knees, hips. And uh, sure enough, when I get the results, my left hip was in pretty bad shape. Um, and that kind of brought me to another level of, oh, my God, I didn't think it was this bad. And huh. the menta- my mentality was stay away from medication as much as possible. I grew up with a mom who was all about natural remedies and a dad who never took anything and was never sick. Mm. Um and so that's it. When I got that diagnosis, I was like, oh, man, maybe I should have been taking those anti-inflammatories every single day as prescribed. Uh, but, you know, so anyhow, that I see this guy. So he refers me to another rheumatologist in Ottawa. And that's when the kind of AS diagnosis comes out. But they don't tell me this. They write it on my file, and all my doctors, I don't know if you did the same, but I would get a copy of everything, every x-ray, every CD that was ever done, every diagnosis that was written down, I got copies of it. So I would read the copy, and all of a sudden it says ankylosing spondylitis. And he doesn't tell me this. I see him the next time, and I'm like, why is this written here? You've never told me about this. Well, judging by the different joint damages you have, it seems like that would be your condition. So the HLA-B27 was negative, and I kind of told him that. He's like, yeah, I know, but this is the what I think, you know, the diagnosis is with what you have. Um, and that wasn't good enough for me. I had to go and get uh, two MRIs of my spine because I had a contact at the hospital because that was apparently one way to clearly tell if you had AS or not. Okay. To look at the spine, and they looked at it, and it was clean. And uh, so I told him that, and he's like, okay, but there's new research, and sometimes it can take many years before it progresses to what you're saying now anyway. So he wasn't changing his mind. He was pushing for um, biologics. So he wanted me on biologics right then and there. And I was like, well, I, you're just starting me on methotrexate. Shouldn't we see how that works first? And he's like, sure, but it's proven that both work together. And somewhere in between all that, uh, like a lot of you guys, I was just researching mad everything I could to the point where I managed to get invited to a doctor's conference on rheumatology as a special guest because they have civilians sometimes appear for that, certain organizations that uh, are supposed to help uh, the public. Anyhow, so I got a special invitation and I was all pumped to go there and hear about the latest research on how they're trying to cure these immunodeficiencies. And all they talked about is how to suppress pain. The latest ways that they inject rats with a new, you know, uh, medication that will, will completely suppress the pain in the brain and so and so so it devastated me even more to find out that you know I started seeing it as a uh, conspiracy of something uh, some sort between 
the doctors and the pharmaceutical company and all that. And you hear all these things about the tobacco and alcohol and all these, right? Of course. Anyhow, then I got to meet a rheumatologist who was a friend of my father's. And, you know, he was a really nice guy. And he told me, no, Nikita, there's no conspiracy. That's just the way the world is. And it's run by money. And, you know, but that's the way things are. And, uh, yeah, anyhow. I don't know if you had a question there. He just wanted me to talk. Um, well, because uh, I tend to uh, keep on going and going like the Energizer Bunny. Okay, that's good to know. That's good to know. I was finding what you were saying interesting. Um, so what? Um, so after you were diagnosed, uh, we won't stay too long on. I guess uh, on this stuff. But uh, how bad did your symptoms get? And where and where were they in your body? And then we'll move on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so at the beginning, it started with the left wrist and then moved on to the right wrist um, and uh, the left ankle. I think those were the three major spots where it started. Um, and my right sacroiliac eventually. And I think that's what brought the rheumatologist to say AS. Mm-hmm. Uh, for him, it was just a clear sign. So you had a lot of pain uh, in your hip, trouble walking? Yes, but I didn't know at the time. It was off and on. It would start and then go. And I was a police officer at that time. And uh, night shifts, I just figured I'm tired. You know, maybe something I did at the gym or whatever. I'm still working out during all this time. But slowly changing exercises, no longer being able to do straight bench press, using dumbbells instead of barbell and always modifying buying wrist guards and trying anything i mean i was using the cable machine to do uh bicep curls and just strapping something here right. so that i no longer had to use the wrist so, you know always trying to be creative and in my head telling me i'm not letting this get to me i understand and, uh, yeah yeah exactly so so um yeah, you know, it, it was spreading, and um, the wrists were really bad. At some point, like I've heard many people say, I could not put the sheet on top of me in bed. And around that time, I also had uh, my firstborn, Zoe, who's now eight years old, and I had trouble grabbing her in my hands. I would grab everything using forearms, you know, trying to modify, never using wrists, putting on a seatbelt, everything. It was just crazy and uh, that was tough i remember telling the physiotherapist like i have trouble lifting my own child and my wife had to do a lot of that lifting I understand. Um, so yeah those were uh, i guess the things that really affected me back then okay uh, the hip got worse and worse I actually got hip surgery last year i have a metal hip resurfacing on the left side okay you had hip surgery you replaced one hip that's correct. Because the socket was totally worn down. Is that correct? Eaten up. I was eaten up. That's right. And was that extremely painful? Not the operation, but uh, the pain from yeah. that wearing down? Uh, yeah, exactly. So at the age of 35, around 34, 35, after I had seen Keystone in Toronto, that rheumatologist, and he had told me my hip was finished, I went to see a hip surgeon to get his information, uh, his take on it. And he's like, yeah, your hip is at a point where it's been eaten up a lot. 
And I said, okay, but I don't feel that bad. And he's like, okay, that's up to you. I said, are you telling me I need surgery right now? He said, yeah, you could have surgery now, but in the end, it's a quality of life. So he says, if you can't sleep at night and you're in constant pain all day, all the time, then get it done. If you think you can still go on, then wait. And he wasn't giving me a clear answer as to wait till when or what, but I set myself an objective. I'm like, I'm only 35. I'm going to try and reach 40. Okay. So at almost 39 years old, I, um, I started having just, it was too much. I'd sit down and uh, as soon as I'd get up, I'd be in huge pain and limping for about 20, 25 minutes. And my major activity at that time was uh, as cardio was biking and the biking was becoming difficult. If I bike outdoors, I'd have to rest for about three days to get over that one hour or 40 minutes of biking. So that's when I told myself, you know what, that and a physiotherapist who said, you know, maybe you're doing more damage to the good side now that your bad side is, you know, that way you're compensating. And I said, you know what, that's a good point. You know, I'm trying to tough it out, but meanwhile, I'm causing other issues. So I I decided to opt for it. And uh, it was one of the best surgeries I did in my life. Like it went really well. I healed really fast felt really good about it and uh even on that surgery day there was just something about it it was like my wedding day there was just such energy around i don't know if it's just the people that were thinking about me or whatever but uh yeah so it, that, does it hurt anymore how does it feel now how's your head yeah, you just feel you just feel some numbness where the actual incision is okay. uh, no no i don't really have any pain i tested it out skiing uh, more and more intensely and I felt it a bit on one of the days and uh, but I mean what happened after that surgery is my left ankle got worse Uh, I used to be able to tolerate like walking a few hours and now it's like walking an hour max and I could no longer do it being in the classroom I had to sit down more so that uh, to the point where I could no longer do spinning and biking, which were my main cardio activities. Mm. Oh, and this is in the last year. Okay. That, uh, all this kind of happened. I got it in October of 2016, I guess, and now we're just past October 2017. Wow. Okay, it's recent. Again, yeah. I was going to say I went to see... Uh, ankle surgeon and looked at x-ray MRIs all that to see is my ankle still you know fairly okay and there's not much they can do for the ankle and luckily because I might have had surgery on the ankle as well right and I instead just stretched it and um, kept on trying to reinforce it I saw a physiotherapist who doubled as a kind of a personal trainer and uh, he did some really good things. And that's one thing I'd like to tell the people listening to this is one thing you need to do is surround yourself with positive people for sure. And whether that be your physio or your massage therapist, whoever you like to see that you feel some relief, also in the mental state of that person. Even my rheumatologist, I ended up switching after doing a lot of research 
Uh, to one rheumatologist is that everybody would just say, this guy has such good bed manners, and they just all loved him. And I waited two years to see him. And his secretary kept on telling me he doesn't have time, he can't, and I kept on saying, no, 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 I'll find a way. And eventually I saw him, and, you know, he, he's a great guy, and that's really important. You need to surround yourself with positive people that aren't just there to bring you in and out, right. whatever you're I, I I agree with that for sure. That that definitely made a difference for me um, as well. So are you are you currently taking any medication right now? So no. So uh, during this whole fiasco of ten years or more of exploring, you know, what do I really have? Nobody's giving me straight answers. I'm going through every kind of natural therapy imaginable. Okay. Homeopath, osteopath, Reiki. Um, I'm doing the uh, natural paths, trying two, three natural paths that put me on all sorts of crazy diets and do that for a while until they all say, okay, well, I don't know what to tell you anymore. You might as well move on. Every time, and that was also really devastating just to hear a guy basically tell me, I'm giving up on you. <laughs> Where, did you give the diets that. a really good shot? And were you good at taking your um, supplements? Were you really diligent with that? I was. I'm, I'm kind of a all or nothing. I either do it 110% or I binge and do the opposite. Okay. I don't have a middle ground. Okay. So, yeah, I, I follow it to the letter, but I think it's time that uh, would make the difference. If I had done it for longer, they had told me two, three months. I think that for longer periods, maybe, but I've also done the seven day fast and you know, I figured if it is food, this is going to tell me for sure. And after seven days, I still had wrist pain and I was like, okay, I guess it's not that. But then lately I just went through the Patterson program. Uh, he's, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's a guy who healed himself of AS I have a rheumatoid arthritis. And, oh, right. He's, and, got a, he's got a podcast too. Is that right? And he has a TED Talk as well. Yeah. So, and he's got a book that he's written about. Yeah. And it's yeah. all about eliminating certain things. Yeah, it's all diet. about a very strict diet. So that was the first person, if you want, that indirectly started my journey towards Peter and you guys. Because I saw that. On uh, online, actually, I saw the Wim Hof method. My friend sent me a video about Wim Hof. Did you do the Wim Hof method? Yeah, I did. I did. Here in Vietnam, the cold water is like the equivalent of almost uh, room temperature, so Uh, it's not cold. Okay, so you you don't think you got like the 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 true the true experience of it? Do you think? No, exactly, because I think the the cold water must be a real shocker that puts you in that state of now faster. Yeah. And uh, that part I couldn't do, but the breathing, I really got good results, and I've been doing it. I mean, this all happened the last month. So the breathing, uh, I really felt kind of, you feel the energy all over your body. I don't know if you followed it yet. I remember, I don't know if it was you or Sky, someone told me he's about to do the challenge with someone else. Right. Yeah, I I signed up for the 10-week course. I I haven't started it yet, but um, I intend to do it. Did you do the 10-week course? No, no, no. I just looked online at his videos, and then 
thought, you know what, that sounds like something I want to try out and okay. started doing his push-ups because he said people with arthritis, if you do the push-ups holding your breath, you, uh, you'll feel some kind of relief and it, feel, it felt really good. I mean, I find it's the equivalent of short-circuiting exercise. You're basically, instead of doing an hour workout in the gym, you're doing 50 push-ups and you feel that instant gratification and oh, I just energized right so um, cool uh, what about tell me more about this patterson uh diet and how rigid were you did you follow it to a t or or what yeah so um it's a 12 day program and once you've reached day 12 then you can slowly start reintroducing things like fruits papayas for example or Certain melons, I think it was just your regular melon, orange melon, uh, Mountain Dew or whatever. Honeydew, I mean. Um, and um, I followed it for the 12 days. And during those 12 days and even before, I researched really a lot on him and read his book. Um, and I was convinced that was the way. But then I started listening to more of because they have a lot of um, YouTube videos as well of the people that were cured um, and at first I was like oh this sounds awesome these people are all perfect and then I started chatting them on the forum and I saw a lot of I still have this and sometimes when I have that I feel this way and I was like okay so I didn't think it was a lifelong diet that you have to eat exactly or more or less that way for the rest of your life or else you get the symptoms. And that just didn't make sense to me. At the core, it didn't feel right. And depriving myself of all these things, because being in Vietnam uh, is like being in Vegas in a way, because you're out of your normal element with everyone else. And we're all Canadian teachers here at a Canadian school. So we kind of have our own little clique and go out together and everything's so much cheaper and so accessible. And the fact it's like summertime, 365 days a year, you feel like you're in party mode very often. So, um, why am I saying this is because, yeah, it's because that diet meant I'm no longer going out with a new crowd of friends I have. I'm no longer drinking. I'm no longer socializing in that aspect because the, the boys that I'm part of, they basically go out every Friday night. And if I'm to have water or coffee while they're having beer, it's just not going to jive. Okay. They don't go out to coffee shops. They go out to the local bar. And again, it's a, a social thing, but all that just didn't make sense to me. I was like, there's got to be a better way. If this thing started when I was in my early 20s, there's a switch that you can just click it off, click, and it's done. I don't believe anything stays forever that way. And I kept on telling all my rheumatologists and everybody I knew that was the way. And then... While I'm on vacation with actually my friend who I'm staying at her apartment right now, Sydney, she, uh, we're, we're, uh, they're eating all these yummy foods that I can't touch. And that night I start looking at more podcasts of people curing themselves of ankylosing spondylitis and I find Ralph Ruiz's stuff. 
and some of the people that he cured. And I'm like, whoa, these guys, you know, say one guy said he did in five weeks and he eats what he wants. And I was like, wow, he eats what he wants. That sounds marvelous. And they really sounded genuine. And that's what attracted me to the Patterson thing is everybody sounded so genuine and content and happy. And these guys did too. So I said, I want to know more about that. So then I started the Ralph Ruiz and I actually texted or emailed him through his general websites and never got a response. And at the same time, I emailed uh, Sky and he responded right away. So I ended up doing a quick interview through Skype, just chatting Sky up. And at the same time, he had sent me a few links, which one of them was your podcast with a Swiss guy. And that was it. I was like, oh, really, your podcast was a huge influence in me saying, these are the guys I need to follow. Because one, you talked about diet and how you had been on these crazy diets for over 10 years and you know, now you could eat pretty much what you want. And the other thing is, Patterson is all about Bikram yoga. He's all, this is the only thing you should do. You should just do Bikram and it will save you. It will transform you. And not that I disagree with it. I'm sure there's a lot of benefits. But then you said how Peter told you, no, 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 stay away from yoga. <laughs> you should just do the weights. And I've been lifting weights since I'm 16. So to me, it was like, okay, these are exactly the people to talk to. Right, right. <laughs> and ultimately, I think you need to do whatever works for you. I know you still do yoga, and I think that's great too. It's just uh, you got to go with what flows with who you are, right? Absolutely. What makes you happy? What you enjoy doing? There's no, there's no limit. There's no rules. Whatever makes you happy, I think. So, so, uh, so then you got in touch with Peter. Is that right? That's right. So, I just went on another trip two weekends ago in the Mekong Delta in South Vietnam, and Peter decides this is the time we're meeting. So I'm like, okay, hopefully I have Wi-Fi. I'm at a uh, homestay they call it where you stay in someone's house basically for that weekend in a village and uh, luckily as you will find out if you don't already know everywhere else in the world has internet and cellular reception like there's no tomorrow compared to us where you move from one city to the other and all of a sudden whoop you're in a dead zone so I, I talked to Peter and uh, he basically told me this is more of a test to see if you're kind of ready for this. And uh, he says, you definitely are. Um, and I think he left me that day with a mantra. And uh, I started out that way and I felt great talking to him and uh, it felt right. And uh, now it's been uh, two, three times or four times that we've talked and I already feel differences, but the, the differences started, I think, right when that Wim Hof, when my buddy sent me that video, it kind of triggered something that I needed. And it just led to this escalation of all these things happening uh, together and just feeling happy. After I talked to Sky, I was on that perma smile for like two weeks, and that's what I was telling Peter. Uh, I ended up going to an Xmas party with uh, my boys because I was on that diet. I'm like, I won't be able to do that. And 
that's when after talking with Peter, he's like, no, no, you, you can go. You don't need to follow this diet. There's other ways to do this. Just be happy. Don't do anything in over excess and just go have fun. And that's what I did. And, uh, that brought me back down if you want in a way to a more neutral level. I, I wasn't on a perma smile anymore. And then I slowly seemed to be back on it. And today was a phenomenal day for that. There's just incredible things that happened today. I went to see my rheumatologist this afternoon and uh, we're just to get blood work. I, uh, with a Patterson diet, Clint, the author of all this, told me you should get tested every month just to prove that your inflammation is lowering and eventually you can drop the medication. So that was one of your questions. Are you currently on medication? I am not. Uh, and the only reason for that is because when I got to Vietnam, I was on methotrexate up to that point. But after that hip surgery, methotrexate no longer worked. And my rheumatologist said, well, probably biologics, but before I do that, I want you to try sulfasalazine because it's something that's not as strong and some people have had almost as good results as methotrexate. Now that you're going to Vietnam, though, I don't want to put you on that drug and then you get there and they don't have it or you can't get tested regularly. He's like, you need to know what's going on first. So I was completely in limbo getting here to Vietnam, and that was a big stressor for me. What am I going to do if they don't have these drugs here, if they don't have regular blood testing? I had no clue. So I started phoning hospitals from there, but it was chaotic and Finally, I got enough information to know, yes, they can do blood tests and all that. So I got here, saw a rheumatologist, told her, listen, my doctor in Canada has already prescribed sulfasalazine. I just need you to keep on prescribing it, and I'm going to start taking it now. And so I started that for about six weeks and didn't feel anything. Seventh week, still nothing. Meanwhile, I'm having these huge neck pains and can no longer turn my neck at all. I'm just completely turning like the robot. And uh, seeing a Cairo, Canadian, American Cairo, um, that kind of gave me a little bit of uh, relief. And seeing massage therapy here for $9, you get an hour and a half massage, nine bucks. So did a lot of that and still I'm like, okay, I'm in Asia. I got to find, they, they must have a healer or something here that we don't have back home. So acupuncture was one of the things many people mentioned. And uh, I started researching and what do I find? I find this lady who says, I deal with ankylosing spondylitis. I've never seen that on a site anywhere in Vietnam, even in Canada. I don't think I've seen that on acupuncture sites. And she's saying, I deal with this. I can help people a lot, basically more or less cure them. So I see this acupuncturist. She's Vietnamese, but she studied in China, learned Chinese just to do that acupuncture degree, really smart woman, and married to a Finnish man. Why do I say this? Because in Vietnam, you need their English is not uh, necessarily the best. It's very hard to communicate with Vietnamese people often. And in this case, I really needed to transmit information. Luckily, because her husband was Finnish, she knew English really well as well because that was the main language. So anyhow, she tells me, get off all medication. 
And no one in North America has ever dared say, get off all medication. They'll tell me slowly wean off or I can't really tell you that because it's dangerous. No, she said, I need you to get off everything. And at that time, my logic tells me methotrexate ain't working. Sulfasalazine hasn't done anything for me. And my only option is biologics. And right now I was willing. I was at the point where I'm like, okay, maybe now's the time I do this. And it's always because I'm afraid more joints are going to be eaten up. And that's the reason now that I'm thinking that avenue. And I find out that my insurance will not cover it. I have pretty good insurance because I'm a teacher here and we have good stuff, but not enough for that. Um, so I'm like, okay, it's not an option. There's no way I can get on that drug. So that's why I agreed to just completely stop all medication. So at that point, it had been... I'd say a good five years that I had been on anti-inflammatories, at least off and on, almost every day. One day on, one day off, sometimes twice a day. You know, I was on 200 milligrams of Celebrex. Twice a day was my prescription. I would never follow it. I'd take it once a day or once every two days. But anyhow, it was to the point where I was pretty much almost every day. And just cold turkey, boom, stopping it. The night she told me, you need to stop this medication because I need to see that my Chinese herbs are working. How long ago so, was this that you saw her? Yeah, so I've How? been seeing her for two months now. Okay. About two months, maybe just a little bit over that. And how often do you see her? I haven't seen her in the last, I guess the last time I saw her was about two weeks ago. Okay, so how? I, I would see her every day. Uh, sorry, twice a week, I mean. I would see her twice a week, and uh, it would take four hours of my day. I would have to drive an hour and a bit in crazy pollution and chaos and an hour and a half back uh, to see her. So it was really, I was just drained when I'd come back from there. And I've never liked needles. I've had a phobia of needles, I found out later on in my life. Um, and even though I say this, I don't know if you're familiar with dry needling, but there's another term for it. But my physio, was that was his expertise. And I did a lot of that back in Canada in the last two years. So I'm, I'm used what, to needling. Sorry? A lot of what, sorry? Dry needling. So dry with dry needling, they basically put a needle in you, hit the knot, and then it completely contracts your muscle as if you did 100 push-ups and releases it. But it's incredibly painful the first times you get it done. Um, and it's temporary relief. Okay. It, it'll come back. Your knot will come back even stronger than it was before. So, so my you, core... I, did you used to have really core. bad knots in your back? Oh, yeah. Everywhere. In your... My leg. I had hip surgery. My leg was like made of stone. Wow. The muscles would just turn to stone. Wow. Really, really tight, tight, tight. Okay. So and you uh, at this yeah, go ahead. You started seeing this woman two months, and uh, you got off all medication. That's incredible. That's out of this world. And well, how yeah, but it wasn't off medication because I was symptom-free or pain-free. I was off medication because that's what the instructions she told me to do. And that first night or second night after she did the treatments, oh, my goodness. Uh, the pain and agony that I went through 
And I remember calling her the next day and saying, wow. And she's like, no, no, that's normal. You're detoxing. I'm like, okay, but, you know, um, are we sure this is safe? And are you sure you can cure what you say you can cure, you know? And then she went on and told me the whole story about why she became an acupuncturist is her husband has AS and her husband was cured by her mentor, which is this big acupuncturist in China, and she learned from him. So that just boosted my morale, and I was like, okay, this is the solution. I think she'll be able to help me out. But meanwhile, my soul, every time I'm getting a needle in, is telling me, ow, I don't like this. Why are you doing this? And yet I go back and go back and go back, telling myself, well, her husband, you know, got cured on this. And, uh, I, so I got to give it a shot. So I gave it two and a half months, but at some point right around when I started Patterson, I went into this session where it was the most pain I ever had. Every time she would put a needle in my body would just shrivel up and I almost passed out. Like it was excruciating pain and inside I just wanted to scream you know, and just shred the whole room apart. I was in such frustration and anger over what I think is the session, but really is much more than that, right? And I've, um, the other thing I haven't talked about is I've seen homeopaths and those guys, I believe, are also uh, great healers. If you find the right one, uh, there's a lot of psychology to homeopathy because they need to know a lot about your background and your life and everything you've been through and your traumas in order to find the right remedies. So the reason I'm talking about this is because when I left Canada and I had talked to my homeopath, he said, Nikita, you're pretty much healed. You right now just need some coaching. He's like, if I could be in Ho Chi Minh with you in Saigon and I coached you, I think you could heal yourself. He didn't elaborate more on that, but he said, I feel like you're at that point um, and you don't need homeopathic remedies. And so that's why I continued on with the acupuncture and told myself, you know, the one thing I did need was to release and that I understood. I, I'm just holding it inside. I hadn't cried in like 10 years or more. And uh, I knew I needed to cry, and I kept on telling my homeopath, I told the acupuncturist, I'm like, that other day when you put those needles and I was in so much pain, I just wanted to cry and scream out, but I didn't. And then that first day that I decided I'm doing the Patterson, I cried. It was only a minute or something, but it felt like such relief. Telling my wife, you know, I think I finally found a solution to this that's natural and makes more sense. And I cried. And then, same thing happened to me two days ago, um, or three, four days ago. The last session I had with Peter before this morning. Um, and I started writing my IMs. And, uh, I just was in this zone. I was listening to a certain type of music and just writing them down. And they were just, it's as if they were coming from another place, you know, further than just physically. And I just started crying, laughing. And that's what happens to me in the last two, three months. 
I kind of just have this, it starts coming out and it stops, but I just laugh or have this reaction to it. And that's kind of what happened. And I cried for another minute or two, felt really good. And uh, that was that day. And then this morning, had another good session with Peter and uh, then just, you know, repeated those mantras in my head, had a really good day. I get to my rheumatologist to get back to my story, and there's this Buddhist monk seated to my left. And I'm fascinated by the fact he's there. He's Vietnamese, so I try to speak to him in English, and I see he doesn't really understand. And I get enough to understand that he's the one getting treated for either AS or uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Oh, my gosh. And I write, and I write to him. <laughs> I write to him on my phone, on Google Translate, you know you can cure this with your mind, with your spirit. And he looks at me and he responds on the text, my mind is fine. So I think to him when it translated, it said, you're messed up. In the head, you need help. Because oh. I, don't know, I don't know why he would have reacted that way. So I continued writing. I'm like, no, no, no. This disease has found you because you have something to learn from it. And when you find out what that is, it'll let go. You'll let go of it. And he kind of looked at me and did like a triple take, like, who is this guy telling me this? But at the same time, realizing it's exactly what he needs to hear. And me, it's as if that message came from a really deep place inside. I, afterwards, I was thinking about it. I'm like, why did I even talk to this guy? Why did it? It was just stronger than me. I had to give him the information. Wow. And he asked me, he said, are, are you, do you have a disease? Like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, yeah, but I wrote to him. I said, I'm done that journey. I'm at the end of that journey and about to begin another one. And so I'm moving on from that. But you got to figure out what you need to do with this. And again, he just left at the end and smiled at me and looked at me again. Like, that was just magical. I don't know how to describe wow. it. Wow. What an right? encounter. That's just, amazing. Yeah. That's so funny. I mean, a part of me would think, oh, a Buddhist monk would never have. Was he a Buddhist monk? Yeah, I confirmed that with the uh, rheumatologist when I went to see her because he saw her. He went in before me. So when I went in, I'm like, was that a Buddhist monk? And she's like, yeah, it was. Yeah, I would, okay. think, I would think like, because a lot of uh, what I studied um, and practiced in order to uh, get better was Buddhism teachings. So anyway, that's, there's obviously something more to it that we learn. Um, well, we're gosh. all at different stages, right? Yeah. So, and I don't, so. I don't know at what stage of his journey he was at. Who knows? Maybe he was a monk for a few months. Maybe for many years. I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, that's. Uh, um, did you get his information or anything? No, I think it just felt right. Everything just had to happen the way it did. Yeah. Um, so we're coming close to the end yeah. of the of the podcast. So I mean. I just like, you know, is what is quickly what has happened with Peter and why are how are you so 
how do you know you're at the end of your journey? Like, I believe you are. Um, but how do you know? Like, what happened in the last month? It sounds like so, so much has I, happened, I but in the last month you seem sure of something. I, I wouldn't say it's the last month. I mean, I've been on this journey for a long time, and I kind of told my homeopath the last time I saw him, that, or uh, one of the last times, that I felt I no longer needed the disease to move on. Like, it led me to this path. Uh, of changing who I am, of changing my beliefs, of trying to continuously improve myself. Every day I try and be a better me and take more risks and all this. So um, I was at a point where all the missing link was the coaching, more positive thoughts and energy going in constantly. But I've already been dealing with my issues for many years and if you want with the last homeopath the last two years really digging deep and coming out with stuff that needed to come out and i think that's why the three four sessions that i had with peter and he saw it too i was already way ahead of the game in many ways if you will and uh i'm just so i think that's what's helping me progress really well I get that. Yeah, you were ready. You'd already done a ton of work on your own. That's very similar to me. Um, you know, like you, it, it was like 10 years of natural remedies. <laughs> and then finding Peter, I guess, was kind of like Peter and Ralph and Sky. Um, was, uh, it just affirmed everything and gave me the strength that I needed and the encouragement to know that I was on the right path. So you feel the same way. Yeah, I'm it's the can- ego, right? The ego just keeps on telling us, I can beat this, I can beat this. And the message that Sky and Peter and all of you are saying is, it's not about beating it, it's about letting it go. And that is the key, to just let it go, to stop trying to say, I'm going to get rid of it, it's, you know, and just kind of switch to a different persona and way of, going about it yeah and that is missing for me yeah yeah it's huge you know, my, yeah my homeopath if he had said nikita you need to start thinking positive and here's how you're going to do it you're going to do this every day so many times a day and you're going to change the way you think this mm-hmm. way and read this just to get more understanding of it what did he ask I think you to read that would have... what did he ask you to read sorry what did he ask you to read Oh, he didn't. I'm saying if he had said those things, I think oh. I could have gotten the, the same results. Oh, okay, okay. I think that's, that's what's missing with him is that he kind of knew I was close, but he didn't have the way to bring me there other than with the way he treats patients, which is with those special little pills that are basically energy. Yeah. Finding the right energy strand. Um, uh, what books are you reading now? Did Peter ask yeah, you so, any books? Yeah, I had put down, uh, just because I saw someone with that book recently, um, the, uh, Celestine Prophecy by, now I forget the name that I wrote down here. 
That's okay. We all know it. The Celestian Prophecy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's by James Redfield and the Alchemist by Paolo Colo. Yeah. Those are books I read many years ago, but then I got on Power of Now a few years ago, and my mom bought it for me maybe 10 years ago, and I just left it on a bookshelf. I'm like, what? this i don't want that what does my mom know she knows nothing (laughs) (laughs) my mom's always very intuitive clearly yeah she's light years ahead when it comes to what we're learning right now but anyhow so i eventually ended up reading that book i don't know for what reason and then i started re-listening to that book the audio version and Eckhart Tolle is just mesmerizing to hear. If you just listen to the audio version, I remember driving up from Ottawa to northern Ontario eight hours and just listening to his calming voice. And uh, every time I listen to him now, it just brings me back in the now, brings me back in that mm, zone. So yeah. I recommend everybody listening right now, even how if you how important listen to the book. Listen to the book. Yeah, I just I have to say, like, how important or how when you feel that being in the present moment, which is what that audiobook helps with, is that a big part of healing for you? It is because it all comes back to that, right? In order to heal yourself, you have to be in that state of being and that basically gets rid of the pain body. There cannot be the pain body at the same time as you're present, hmm. right? That presence that he talks about, for those of you listening that understand it, or maybe you don't understand it, but you're trying to keep on keep on trying because eventually you'll feel it, you'll know it, it's there. You just have to listen to yourself. Um, and yeah, that's not easy though, right? To be in the present moment, all the time and I had listened to one of Sky's uh, YouTube videos and he had said that Tolle had in one of his Oprah interviews had said use the energy and make it flow and I was like ah I'll do that so I started trying to do that as often as I could from my feet to my head just feeling that energy go through because I was I explored a bit with that I saw a, a healer once I met this guy in the woods on a farm anyhow I know we're out of time but I can go on and on there was, there was some truth to this guy, too. And that's why I'm saying all these pieces are slowly connecting together for me. So it's not the beginning of something right now. It's the ending of something and the beginning of something else. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, to me, it's just fantastic. And everybody that's in on this journey right now, try and see the positive out of it. It's just amazing that we've been selected to be here and do this. I agree. There's a reason for it. Yeah. What did the guy in the woods, quickly, what did the guy in the woods say to you? What did he say? Well, he had told me at the time that uh, he put me on a table, started this fire. It was summer when I visited him, but he put me in a little wooden shack, started a fire, in the wood oven really really hot and then started shaking his hands like this and just sending out energy to me and telling me do you feel do you feel do you feel and eventually i told him my toes and tingling through certain parts of my body uh and so on but 
I left that day and, you know, I was like, okay. And he told me how he cured some people that had cancer. Um, and that, uh, he used to be a really rich French guy and, uh, he let it all go It destroyed him and he found a new path and, uh, God kind of showed him how to heal and all this. So it was just on a different journey and, uh, it just stuck with me a little bit, the main message of what he was saying, but he wasn't telling me anything specific other than have a hot shower at night and then go in your bed and try and feel the energy mm. in your feet. Slowly make its way up. And when you start getting that clear connection through your body, call me back and I'll give you more. And I kind of left it at that and never went through with it enough. I wasn't ready yet. I wasn't right. there. And I met him many months later and found out more stuff. But anyhow, that's what I'm saying it. It all links. I think he's also on the right path, you know. And, Absolutely. Uh, the last guy who influenced me is a, a teacher at my school, actually the computer technician. He wasn't even a teacher. And he's like, oh, you like meditation and all this? Let's talk. And he just blew my mind with, like, the different dimensions that exist and all these different things that he was taught. And he basically gave me a crash course inside of a few hours that now – I've taken many months, it will take many more years, and I'm slowly seeing that, wow, actually, I'm seeing all the things he's saying in all sorts of different places. So that's also what made me understand there's so much more to life than life itself, because all of this information is coming from all sorts of different sources, but the message is always the same. Mm -hmm. How can this have truth to it? Right? Yeah. Um, is there any advice you'd give your um, 21-year-old in pain, confused self when it all began? I've, I've heard many of your podcasts, and I've always asked myself that question when I listen to them. And uh, my philosophy has always been that I've always done the best I can at the present moment that I had. So it's difficult for me to say, well, uh, can you hear me? Yep. Okay. Cause I understand it's saying we're disconnected. Any, so it's difficult for me to tell myself, Nikita, you know, have hope or, you know, try and be in the now. I, I wouldn't have been ready back then. I think I needed to go through that. So I, I wouldn't tell myself anything different. I think, Ultimately, I needed this. I needed to go through exactly that. And physically, what that means doesn't matter. How I am today is there for a reason. And that's just the way things are. I would not change a single thing. So are you grateful for uh, ankylosing spondylitis? Whatever the heck I, it, that is. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Yeah? Why? Why? Because it made me who I am today. And there's certain things that needed to come out. And uh, they're definitely out. So what's you next know? for you, Nikita? Where do you think this is going? I've always loved helping people. I mean, that's why I joined the police force to begin with. That's why I'm a teacher. Um, I feel a strong... Uh, 
and just link to where you guys are. Mm-hmm. And Peter's mentioned it too, and he, he wants me to kind of possibly be the link in Asia, but I'm only here for one or two years. I didn't have time to get into the details with him, but I think I'm going to be part of your team. Great, great. That's what I'd, I'd love to just help out more. Just like that day I was at the hospital today, and I'm like, oh, my God, I just want to talk to everybody and tell them, you know. Mm-hmm. There's other ways. You don't need to go through all this medication and suffering the way you are. Yeah. Yeah, well, we like know you how said, hard- I mean, you have to be ready, right? So I guess yeah. it's all about getting the message out there for folks that are ready. I mean, I ask myself, what's the point of this podcast sometimes? And, and really, I think it's just it's for folks who are ready to to hear it, you know? There are times in my life when I wouldn't have been, and then when I was ready, I was ready. So, um, is there anything else you'd like to add? You feel we left out? No, I mean, like I said, I could talk for hours. (laughs) (laughs) I think the the important parts are there. Be patient with yourself. Trust yourself. Trust yourself. And for me, music was uh, a key that really helps bring that inner self out. I've always felt music is like a connection directly to the soul when I hear it. And uh, so anyhow, if any of you feel something with that, just go with it. Use it. When you meditate, use that music you love. I just started doing that after reading that chapter of um, Peter's book when he talked about music and I said, yes, that's exactly how I feel. I was talking to another buddy of mine who's on the same kind of path without the disease. And, uh, he's like, I don't feel it with music. And I'm like, no, with me, it's a huge connection. So I used the music and I had these crazy awesome meditations in the last few days with the music. Wow. Uh, what book was it you were reading by Peter? Uh, healing yourself. I forget the exact title. <laughs> you can heal for real. Heal for, heal real. for real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool, cool, man. Well, thank you so much. What a pleasure, thank man. You. Thanks for connecting with me all the way over in Vietnam. Um, you're an inspiration. It re- I really enjoyed talking with you, man. Like it's. Uh, it's really amazing. Uh, Nikita has uh, suggested that um, he's totally willing to uh, give you guys his email address if you have any questions for him about his journey. Um, he'd love to hear from you. Anyway, go ahead, Nikita. Yeah, so don't be shy. If any of you have any questions or you want to hear more, uh, you can contact me at nikita.jurjanis at gmail.com, and I'll spell that out. So Nikita, N-I-K-I-T-A dot Georgianis, like George, G-E-O-R-G-A-N-A-S at gmail.com. All right. Awesome. And I'll put, uh, I'll put the email address in, the, um, in your description of the podcast. Thank you very much. Um, again. You're very welcome. This was awesome. Thank you. You're welcome.
Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening. Please feel free to subscribe to the show, or if you'd like, write a review. Let me know what you think. And uh, if there's any topics that you'd like covered, please let me know. Favorite episodes. All right. Bye-bye. The text and audio files contained in this program are for information use only. It is not meant to treat, cure, diagnose any medical health condition you may or may not have. For medical advice and treatment, please speak to a medical health professional.